If you're looking for a quality Kickstarter marketing specialist, I recommend the folks over at Next Level Web. They charge flat fees with an easy monthly agreement and they get serious results. Their goal is to get you funded on day one and their rate of success for that is above 90%, regardless if you're a veteran or a first-time creator. As a client myself, I can personally attest to their quality as they have helped me raise tens of thousands of dollars for my own projects. So if your email list looks pitiful, but your game is awesome, head on over to nextlevelweb.com slash kickstarter and take your marketing to the next level. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. Well, what's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about drafting. We're talking about what does it look like to have some cards on the table, have some cards in your hand, and you're trying to figure out which one do I want, which one can I keep my opponent from drawing or, or choosing. And we're talking to Jesse Stacy from Triceratops Games. Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thrilled, for sure. Yeah, man. Glad for you to be here in a little BGDL community spotlight episode and, and just excited to chat with you about drafting. You've got a game you've been working on for a while called Jack, which has uh, a lot of drafting in it, so, uh, you know, some Seven Wonders style drafting. And so is this something you've been working with, designing, playtesting? And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to hear some stories here about your uh, experience, with, experience with this mechanism. And uh, before we get into that, though, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Jesse Stacy. Uh, we work with a company called Triceratops Games that me and uh, a couple of buddies kind of formed up and made. I uh, had this cool game design. I got a couple other game designs, too. You know how that goes. But uh, we had this one, and it just felt really good. And so we kind of came together and said, hey, man, let's make this a game. Uh, so uh, this was my design, and they just kind of chipped in on it, and they just said really wanted to bring it to life. So we kind of formed our Triceratops games. Uh, I got into game design. Uh, I work with teenagers, and so I'm always making up games for them. And I just kind of was like, well, I love board games, and I love making up games. So let's kind of combine the two and make that a reality. I uh, fell in love with board games. I, I don't know if it's like board games, but just like TCGs when I was a kid, like Pokemon and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and all those things. And I was kind of, as a older person, kind of looking for something to scratch that itch. And I'd say like board games really was it. You know, I fell in love with that, and especially when we get to do drafting and those kind of things. So, yeah, that's probably it. Very cool. And yeah, drafting really, I don't know if it originated out of the TCG lifestyle, that culture. You know, I remember going to uh, board game stores and doing Magic the Gathering drafts, you know, yeah. buying some cards and doing the draft and, and seeing who who could figure out the uh, the way to win in that like very spur of the moment. You know, you didn't have hours and hours to sit at home and like craft the perfect deck. You just had to kind of figure it out on the fly, which I think was a really, really fun way to do it. I don't know if drafting originated. Do you know where drafting came from? Was it out of that scene? I don't know. That's where I first uh, experienced it. Um, Yeah. So Magic the Gathering. And then I I was a big World of Warcraft uh, trading card game player. Uh, And so I loved that. And the drafting idea, you know, sealed pack product too, just all that coming up with it on the fly thinking, I just feel like it really just stretched my brain. And that's why I loved it so much for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the origins are. I have to look that up later. But uh, one thing for sure is what a brilliant business idea 
for them to say, hey, we've got this different way for you to play. Oh, and you have to buy some cards to do it. Yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> what a great way to uh, get more people to, to buy your, your product and then have some fun with it. But uh, actually, before we get any deeper, let's let's talk about a, a good working definition. When someone says drafting as a game mechanism, what does that mean? Uh, I think drafting. Uh, so I kind of think of it about when I was a kid. Uh, I used to put all my toys in a pile and me and my friends would like pick the ones we wanted to play with. And so it's like, I got a turn and I'd pick like, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex and he would get a turn. He'd pick the Stegosaurus, you know, we would go around and that's kind of where I feel like a lot of that, uh, kind of drafting started for me. Uh, and, and that was my favorite part of even playing with toys. So it's, you got a selection of things and you get to pick one that you think is going to best suit your needs for what you are trying to accomplish. Uh, so some games that do that at seven wonders, sushi go, a dungeon draft. Uh, there was another one I kickstarted a treehouse. Uh, it's like a building a little treehouse kind of clubhouse thing. Uh, so those are some games that come to mind. But yeah, just having a selection of cards and choosing one of those cards uh, that you think is going to best suit your purpose for winning the game, how your strategy is to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you say cards. I mean, most of these games are card games, but I've also played games that were meeples. You were drafting like different piles of meeples. Oh, uh, yeah. I played Draftosaurus a while back where you're drafting. Uh, yeah, like these, yeah. Yeah. These little dinosaur meeples, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's lots of different ways to do it. Yeah, there's yeah dice drafting games, too. I've played dice drafting games. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the, the core definition would be you've got some stuff you know, available and you're going to choose a small part of it. And then the other players at the table are going to choose a small part of it. And maybe it goes around in a, in a clockwise order. Maybe not. Maybe it's on, you know, on your turn, you have the option of choosing or different options, but I guess basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe like maybe a bidding mechanism of who gets to yeah. pick first or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's another thing that's so cool about the mechanism. You can combine it with so many other mechanisms and, yes. and do it in so many different ways. And so many amazing games have come out over the last handful of years that have just explored really interesting ways to handle it, handle it. You mentioned some uh, just a moment ago, but I guess let's let's go a little deeper with the definition. There's also open drafting and closed drafting. So talk about the differences there, and then we can kind of go into in more depth as far as some examples and what those mean. Yeah, so I'd say uh, for the for the open draft, you know, that's like the almost like the pile of toys I was talking about. You know, you get to see everything that's there that you're going to pick from, uh, and so the open draft is face value. Everybody sees the the kind of the cue, the tableau, the things going on out there in the middle, and you are going to get to pick one of those. And so you are forced to think, well, if I pick this, then he's probably going to pick this and she's probably going to pick this. And you're kind of having to think about all the cards there at the face of the table that everyone's getting to pick from. So there's usually a pool in open drafting that you're taking from. Uh, and in closed drafting, I would say uh, is the opposite. It's 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 closed. It's just my hand only, and I'm kind of getting to see it, and they don't know what's in my hand. So I'm trying to pick, and maybe even something rolls around back to me because uh, I'm like, ooh, they probably won't want to pick this one, but I need this one, so I'm going to leave it in the hand so I can see later. Uh, are just some things in closed drafting. Uh, draft a source, you know, you kind of keep your meeples hidden in your hand uh, with that one. So uh, I would say that's probably the two definitions of those two things. Yeah, absolutely. And then then there's also action drafting, which is a mechanism that shows up on Board Game Geek as, as far as one of the, the big list. And that's basically where you've got actions available on the table and you're choosing an action and maybe you get an extra benefit. This is like Puerto Rico yeah. or Twilight Imperium. They do this where, OK, I'm going to choose the build action and I get to build and I get to do you know something extra. But then everybody else at the table also gets to build. But then that action's gone for that round. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of kind of worker placement feel, you know, that's kind of mm-hmm. the, the similar idea of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's another way that a lot of games have done it. But what's so cool about drafting is that you've got games like Sushi Go, which are extraordinarily simple, mm-hmm. right? Very basic. But then you also have Twilight Imperium. You also have Puerto Rico and Concordia and like these really deep, somewhat complicated, sometimes he- heavy. I mean, Agricola is a, got a, you know, some drafting. Yeah, in it. Yeah. So like you can you can go super simple, super complicated with the same mechanism and you're just adding things or taking things away. So it's very cool mechanism uh, to use. But why do you think people are drawn to it? I mean, games continue to come out. You're designing a game right now that's got this mechanism. Why do you think people are so drawn to drafting? Uh, I'll tell you definitely why I was drawn to drafting. And I love like the feeling of completing something. And you're like, this was the one I needed. And it is just this amazing feeling of getting that last card, that last piece uh, to get that. And you're just hoping your puzzle that you are putting together as you draft, it is all coming together by the end of the game for you to score the maximum amount of points. Uh, I think just working that puzzle is very satisfying and it even has so much replay value because you want to do better the next time. Uh, so I, I, that's why in most drafting games, they pull you in multiple directions. Like in my game, for instance, uh, there's a monster to fight. So you got to draft enough attack and defense and knowledge to defeat the monster. But also you kind of have some uh, quests or some adventure cards that are like um, tickets to ride that you are trying to complete. So you need to draft enough of those things to get those points also. So you are torn between hard decisions. And I think when you are making a hard decision and you are rewarded at the end of the game, uh, you feel so good about how you played and you are just having such a fun adventure along the way uh, to, to, to make you want to come back and do it again. Like, Oh, I think I can score better next time. Or I wish this would have, you know, panned out a little bit better. Or, oh, if I would have just picked this, I could have scored four more points. You know, just those things I think is really what draws people into drafting. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I love the idea of basically putting the puzzle together and doing it in a way that's better than the other people at the table. It's, you know, maybe taking a risk because maybe there's only one or two cards in the deck that will make this combo work out or, you know, in seven yeah. wonders, you're, you're hoping for the right uh, resources or the right wonders to show up. Like there's lots of things you're, you're taking a risk on and you're not sure how it's going to go. And like you said, when you get that perfect card at just the right time, you have this just incredible dopamine rush of yeah. I am the smartest man alive, you know, yes, <laughs> and you exactly. get that cool moment. And uh, yeah, that's a really good point. I think, I think what you're saying with the, the seven wonders, it's kind of like when you're like going green and no one else is going green, you were just like, I'm about to landslide everyone. And then it, then it forces their play. We got to take a couple of greens. So Jesse doesn't get all the greens and beats us so bad, you know? And I think that's what else is cool about drafting is, you know, it can kind of almost manipulate the play of others a little bit. You know, you're trying to read the board. You're trying to read what they're doing in their tableaus a little bit and try not to give them, you know, the victory so easy. So, again, you're just torn between more decisions. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a really good point. And then let's, let's talk about the phrase hate drafting. Yeah, and yeah. that's. That's basically where you don't need the card, but you know the person sitting next to you does. And so you take it just so they can't have it. And so, you know, I feel like that's something you, you kind of have to figure out as a game designer how to balance it well. Because, I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily fun to do that. Right. It's not necessarily it's fun to deny other people. Or maybe it is. And maybe you're one of those psychopaths out there that you just love doing that. No, I had a friend, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend growing up named Brad. And uh, whenever we played Smash Brothers, he never wanted to win. 
He just wanted everybody else to lose. And so he would always play as Donkey Kong and he would grab you. Yep. And then because Donkey Kong could walk around if, if he had you grappled, he would just grab you and then walk off the stage and kill both of you. Right. And he would just laugh this maniacal laugh as he just tried to take everyone else, else's right. lives away. And so I feel like hate drafting would be his thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he would just love to deny you yep. the things that you wanted to enjoy. But anyway, he's, he's a, a few and far between kind of guy. And so, <laughs> but let's talk about from a design standpoint, how do you kind of find that balance of, you know, players trying to block each other? Cause that's, you know, how you win and that's just typical gamesmanship and typical sports and things yep. like that but also not feeling like okay i feel like i'm doing this all the time this isn't as much fun yeah. as building the combos what have you found in your own game design as far as these this mechanism uh so i'd say uh, we had a couple of solutions to this is one is i just wanted every card to feel like it had some type of value to it uh that that each card was fun on its own or maybe specifically like so we collect blood in the game uh as kind of like a negative so you take blood uh, and you can heal that off. So you, you would notice if you're, if the person next to you needs to heal, but you may not need to heal. So you truly would have to hate draft and you're going to waste a card pick on that, but maybe it's worth it, you know? So we have to, I, I, again, I want it to be a hard choice for them is doing what's best for me versus keeping them from, you know, victory. Uh, and so we, we also have victory points on the bottom of each card. And so it's, sometimes it's like, well, I can pick this right now and it's a better play for me and it's what I need for my adventures. And I think the adventures help really separate this is because we each have our own personal goals and you don't know what my personal goals are. So it's kind of hard to hate draft on that aspect of it. But the just really good cards, it's really hard to let them slide past you, even if they don't benefit you as much. There's one card. We have a couple of cards in the game that are worth five victory, which is the max on a card. And it's really hard to let that one slide to the opponent. But there are times it can benefit another player more when they get them. But so then you're like, I have to take this. That's when I wanted it. So it's like a timely thing, Uh, depending on when, what round you drafted in, it may give you bonuses. So if you know, I'm about to pass it, it keeps them from drafting it in that round. And so you need to take it, but it's not a detriment to you because it's still worth five victory at the end of the game. Uh, So that's one way we learned to balance is the other way is we came up with a competitive mode and a non-competitive mode. So, uh, which really just means uh, where it's, you know, fist to fist, or I'm just kind of worried about me a little bit more. So we have a few cards. Uh, one of them like deals blood to everybody else. So you want to take that one just so someone doesn't do that to you. But in our other version, it just, it heals everybody else. So then you're trying to let that one pass because if they pick that card, it's going to heal me. And so it's like, uh, it's almost the opposite of a hate draft of I'm going to keep that one going around the circle, even though if I took it right now, it would heal me more. But if they pick it, it's going to heal me for free. And I didn't have to use that as one of my card slots. Uh, so I think we got a good balance of that. And actually, in some of the expansion stuff we're already trying to work on, we want to have more of that, a little bit more of I know what you have going on and maybe I'll be forced to take those cards or not. But yeah, hate draft is a is a hard thing to balance. And we didn't want there to be people that only came to the game to do that, to ruin everybody else's fun. So we do like it's building your own tableau, but maybe I'll prevent you from doing something too awesome. Right. And I guess it's really a a balance of figuring out how much information to make available. You know, how much do you limit what other players know at the table? You know, that's one thing that's kind of helpful in a closed draft because I'm drawing these cards into my hand and no one else can see them. And someone might know what they passed me, but they don't necessarily know what I chose. Correct. And and so you can kind of limit the information uh, that way, which can be helpful as as far as preventing hate drafting. 
Uh, it's also figuring out from a player psychology standpoint, are they going to choose? It's almost like the NFL draft, and that happened recently. And the, uh, the age-old question is, do you take the best player available at your slot, or do you take the, the player that fits your biggest need? Absolutely. Right? So if you Absolutely. need a running back – you know, and you're in the first round, do you do you go get the running back that's like the seventh best player in the draft? Or do you get this defensive lineman that's the best player on the board? And, you know, you don't necessarily need them, but they're maybe a once-in-a-lifetime pick, you know? And so you're making that choice as a, as a coach, as a general manager. And I guess the same thing in a, in a board game. It's like, okay, do I take this card because it's the best one and I don't want other people to have it and it's going to help me in some way? Or do I take this other card that's going to set up this really cool combo potentially in future hands. And so yeah. I think that's a really cool design space. And then uh, just figuring it out. Oh, I'm also, as you were talking, I was reminded. So back in the day when Bear Bryant was the head coach at Alabama, uh, coaching football, mm-hmm. he, he would go out and he actually eventually made this public. He would go out and he would recruit players that were like some of the best in the nation that he had no desire to play. They didn't really fit his system. They were going to sit on the bench. They were just going to practice. They weren't ever going to get any playing time. He didn't tell them this, obviously, but he would do it just so other teams couldn't get them. Just so Texas and Auburn and all the other, you know, Oklahoma, all the other big teams wouldn't have a chance at them. He right. would just get them on. The, he's like, well, you hate drafting OG, you know, it's just kind of an old school way to do it. But um, so anyway, this has been a this is a concept that's been around for a long, long time. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's talk about combos. I just mentioned that a moment ago. Tell me your experience. Tell me what you, you've been thinking through as far as your own design space and coming up with combinations, because I feel like that's drafting one of one of its main benefits is you can create these really cool combos that take multiple rounds, multiple hands to fit together. And again, you get that really cool moment of, you know, I did it. So tell me about that as far as your own designs. Uh, so for us, I would say like, uh, again, there's multiple paths to victory in our game. Uh, the victory points on cards, the victory you get from killing monsters, the victory that you get uh, from your adventures. And then there's also an open kind of, instead of a personal adventure, there's also what is called a quest card. And they're kind of face up and it's like, hey, whoever gets the most helmets will get this much, uh, get this many points at the end of the game. And those are open and we're all competing in that when that's face up out there. Uh, so I would say the best kind of combos are the ones that kind of trigger in multiple of those lanes. Cause you're trying to get, if I can get a helmet that's got a high amount of victory that also helps me defeat the monster, like that's going to be the best card to pick at the time. And that really just sets me up. So then if I can defeat the monster, now I can have the combo of just drafting cards that are worth the most victory. Or in spells, our spells is what's really good about combos is the more spells you play, just kind of like any wizard, you know, the more spells you cast, the more powerful you become. And so it has a really cool mechanic uh, at the bottom of the card where it's showing a scroll. And as you add spells on top of it, because all our cards stack and get stronger in the game, uh, helmets do all of that kind of stuff. They all layer. So it's, that's really cool. In our spells, they layer and they build a longer scroll at the bottom. So when you trigger your top spell, it triggers your whole scroll and you get everything on it. And so to have a timely spell when you need it the most to get all the remaining uh, attack and defense you need to defeat the monster is just really awesome and satisfying. So the spell is, uh, I would definitely say, our best combo chance. And even with like, you can have victory points and gold triggered off of that. Uh, So you can set up some really big turns with just spells alone. Uh, So it's kind of like, again, trying to combo in as multiple lanes as possible. Because the winner of the game is probably going to be who does two lanes really well and does every all the other lanes pretty good. Uh, You don't have to be amazing at every lane, but just a couple of them. Gotcha. All right, let's talk about complexity for a minute. 
like I was saying earlier, drafting games kind of fit the full spectrum of com- complexity yeah. all the way from simple of I, I draw, you know, I take this card, it does one thing, that's all it does. Maybe it leads into a combo, maybe not. It could just be very, very simple. All the way to a game like Wingspan or some of these other ones that are just hyper complicated. They got a lot of stuff going on, lots of information, lots of different ways you could use a card. And so whenever you're figuring out how complicated you want your own cards to be in your own design, what are some of the things you're thinking about? Obviously, player experience and, and, and that kind of thing. But give me some kind of deeper things you're figuring out. Maybe your cards had too much at first. Maybe they didn't have enough. Give me some some stories there as far as complexity. Yeah. So I, I would say when I first, you know, I, I think this probably happens in when anybody's designing a game. We have way too much, you know, put into the game. Uh, and, and it's the process of kind of whittling it down. Uh, so I really wanted to whittle the game down to like almost all icons, uh, not a whole lot of text on cards. Uh, future expansions, I would like to have more text, more complicated things, more complicated triggers. But I just I wanted my game to feel very entry level, um, just just about around that same Seven Wonders feel where this person's first board game uh, where it's like, ah, oh, it's a little fantasy themed. I'm not quite sure. And they're kind of overwhelmed at first. But once they start playing it like, oh, yeah, this is easy. I got this. Uh, and so that was really important to me. Uh, with the idea of we will expand and make it into more of a board game that I would be more attracted to. I enjoy the game for sure, but just the complexities of those things. I, again, we are pulled in so many different directions already. I, I was, I, I had people sit down when I first made the game and they were just completely overwhelmed. And so I was like, okay, we'll scale that back. We'll scale that back. And my wife, she's definitely not a gamer by any means, uh, but she doesn't, does enjoy the game and does enjoy playing games. So I wanted to feel like something that she would be able to pick up and be able to play easily also, because I did want this to feel like a, like a, not as simple as sushi go, which we talked about, uh, not as simple as that, but more complex, but yet I had a good time when I was playing. I didn't feel like I ruined the game. I made poor decisions the whole time. I didn't want somebody leaving with a bad taste in their mouth because they just played so horribly. I wanted it just to be a fun experience for them also because they're building a character. I like to say it's Diablo meets like Seven Wonders. Like you're building like a Diablo-esque character. And I just want them to feel like, oh man, my guy was geared up and ready to fight and it's just awesome. Uh, And they... Maybe they achieved beating the monster once or twice in the game, and you just feel great. But at the end, when you add up your score, you're like, I didn't do too well, but you had a good time playing. Uh, so that, that was really important to me for this this level of game. But when I play it, there is enough complexity still of, again, all of those lanes to score in that I'm trying to score in all of them and do the best I can. And, you know, every card counts, uh, especially in, you know, down to the wire when it's those last three picks. You're like, Please let me get the card I need. Please let me get the card I need. So those are that's a lot of fun, and I really like how it comes down to that. Uh, so I, I, that's why I think it's a good spectrum of new to games. But if you're if you're a veteran player, I think you'll still enjoy all the different ways to score and have fun with that. Yeah, very cool. Another thing I want to point out is time. If you have a lot of stuff going on on a card and you have a lot for a player to think about, you know, they get those five cards in their hand and they're having to look at every single one of them. And if you have a lot of text, if you have a lot of complicated abilities and combos and icons and stuff like that, well, they're having to look at each one of those and then assess (laughs) maybe the other cards they've already played or the other cards that are available, the options. Like you can have a lot of analysis paralysis if you have too much going on. And so, or even if the cards are all laid out on a table, then everybody's like, 
leaning forward and trying to read every card. And someone's like, hey, can you hand me that one? And now they're looking at it personally, but nobody else can see it. Like there's a lot to think about as far as the time and almost like the usability of the yeah. cards or the usability of the game to uh, take into account. And how long do you want the game to be? And if you want it to uh, yeah, be on the absolutely. shorter side, <laughs> make those make the cards and the decisions a lot simpler, make the combos a lot easier to, to happen and things like that. Did you run into any of that as far as like, oh, this just takes too long. We got to speed this up. Yeah, yeah. So I would say like the hand size even. Uh, so if you got more cards to inspect, so just kind of coming up with that perfect hand size. And uh, so we ended up doing seven cards. So if you're playing a six player, you're going to get six of cards, six of the cards out of there in the first round and you'll discard one when you're left. One thing I didn't like about that was you didn't get to see if you're playing six players, those cards come back to you. But you just know that I'm picking one card from each hand. But in the expansion, I would love to have 10 to 12 cards, you know, where I get a whole bunch to pick from and I'm going to see these again, like kind of like the the trading card game pack, you know, like I'll get to see these again in a draft. So that's that's one thing to think about was the hand size. Uh, but also that's why I didn't want a bunch of text on there. Uh, in Dungeon Draft, I remember just I have to read a bunch of cards, and I, and I like that. I, I, again, I enjoy the analysis paralysis of games a lot of times, uh, but I, I just didn't want that for um, what we were trying to accomplish. I really wanted ours to fall into that 45 to 60 minute range where after you finish the game, you're like, hey, I want to play another round, you know, so it's a two round game night. You can play two games of it. I think that's a lot of fun for uh, for what we have going. So that, that's kind of what we where we targeted and where we tried to land. Yeah, very cool. And then I think you brought up another point is, is how many cards do you have on the last round, right? So do you want to have a situation where you get kind of get stuck and you don't have a choice in that last round? It's like, okay, well, this is the card I get. And maybe you do. Maybe that speeds the game up and it just kind of, you know, you get what you get. Or do you draw more cards in your hand at the beginning than you're uh, and eventually going to keep? And so in that last round, you have a choice. You know, maybe there's two cards left in your hand. You get to pick one or maybe there's three. And so I think that's another interesting design space to kind of dive into is like, okay, do we want to give players more cards than they're going to need or going to have? But then that gives them extra choice or not. And just kind of thinking through because there's just obviously more to think about on both sides of that. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right. What else? What, are, what have we uh, not talked about? What have we not, you know, gone into any any little stories, any anecdotes from any of the design space. I want to get into playtesting in just a second, but anything about like the overall design that you've run into as far as drafting? Um, I, I would say just like people understanding the drafting concept in general, like uh, it's like big going into the game because I had people who were just like, oh, I pick all the cards I want out of this hand. And I'm like, no, 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 you're going to pick one and you're going to pass it, you know? And so just trying to trying to explain people. And that's why I think that the game does a good job of being an introductory drafting game because you're like, it is more about your tableau than anything else. Uh, and it's what do I need in front of me to feel like I am achieving victory the best. Uh, so I, I think it does do that really well. I, I, I would say that that is like you were talking about. Like, so if I'm playing uh, in a magic draft or a Warcraft draft, when I did those, you know, I'm going to draft. Oh, man, this black card is amazing. I'm going to keep them from getting this, even though I'm playing, you know, I'm playing a blue white deck but I don't want them to have that black card because I know I'm going to have to face it as a, as a player, I'm going to have to go up against them in the tournament where we don't have that situation in this because you are individually, you're not having to f fight against other people playing this game. Uh, you're just fighting a monster and you're just trying to take care of you in general. I like to think of us all as a party, you know, like a, we're on a campaign, you know, we're all doing our thing and in, in, in the world of fantasy, but I'm just trying to be a little more awesome than you. You're like, we're doing this thing together, but I'm trying to be more awesome than you. I'm not going to go against you in a fight. 
So that is one thing that kind of to think about in this drafting that's different than when I drafted in World of Warcraft or or Magic. Yeah, it's a really good point. And also something to think about as far as your rule book goes. How how much do you have to explain the drafting concept, the drafting mechanism? And that just goes into who's your target audience? Is it for like gamer gamers, you know, people that played these kinds of games a lot and they understand drafting? You can say it's a drafting game and they immediately know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Or is it a, kind of the mass market side and they've never played this style of game before? And you're going to have to explain it in a lot more depth. It's a good yeah. point. All right, let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk about playtesting. What are some of the things you're really looking at? We already talked about time and hand size and stuff like that. What are some of the other things that maybe you saw during your own playtesting play that really influenced the uh, game design? Uh, I, yeah, I would definitely say those those couple of things. But also uh, just the what I would say when I playtest, my favorite thing is the talk afterwards. And when people are just kind of smiling and talking about the game and what they were doing. And I asked like, Hey, did you kill the monster? You know, like we all know, like if they killed the monster on the last round and stuff, cause you, that monster is worth the most victory because the monster stacks just like the other elements of our game. Uh, the, so the monster gets stronger each round. So uh, between the three rounds, he has gotten incredibly strong and it's difficult. And I would say half the players will typically beat the monster uh, in the last round if they drafted well. And it is just so giddy and fun to talk to the people who like, oh man, I, you know, I defeated that monster and felt so good about it. Or again, those people that triggered that spell. I wanted that experience of being able to talk after the board game. And even if you lost, you just still feel like you accomplished things and did things. Uh, so that was one of the big things that I wanted out of playtesting is to know that they were they were excited about it even when they were done that the replay value was high. Uh, when we were at Gen Con last year, we did a we did a uh, like a first exposure hall. We did the first exposure hall at Gen Con, and one of the guys on our little comment card we asked, uh, "Is there anything that you didn't get to do that you wish you could have done?" And he said, "Play again," and that was like my favorite comment of anything ever. Like it was just so good. Uh, and you and you you ask for that feedback and that playtesting stuff, but it just seems like everybody really enjoyed it. If they if you even halfway enjoy uh, Seven Wonders, I love that game. I mean, I put it in my top five games. Uh, I love Seven Wonders because I love drafting, and so I just kind of wanted to take some of the elements of Seven Wonders that I enjoyed and add some other elements of things I enjoyed and had this cool stacking mechanic and stuff. And so I think I think through playtesting, I just wanted to make sure everybody uh, could could understand all of that, just that, that it was an easy thing. The stacking mechanic, there's no twists and turns. And I didn't want a lot of text to have to explain everything. I wanted somebody to just kind of be able to look at a card and understand what was going on. Uh, so that was, that was really important to me. Uh, so I think we got in, we landed in a good spot with all that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Jesse, this has been excellent. As far as like some closing thoughts, maybe someone is listening to this, they're designing a drafting game or they, maybe they just had a really interesting idea for one, what would you tell them? What would be kind of your encouragement as far as a, a drafting game goes? Uh, I would definitely say is is play test a lot. Um, one of the biggest uh, hiccups I ran into was uh, one of, again our spell cards. Some of them would trigger a victory point, and the amount of those that landed you you just play a game and you never know what is going to happen. And it was important for me not to have it where it's set up like uh, Seven Wonders, where you have uh, round one cards, round two cards, round three. I really wanted them to just be able to shuffle all the cards and go because I just thought that was an easier setup for people. And so I wanted that to really be the vibe. But I had, there was like three or four different cards that can activate a victory point. And one of my friends just got all of those. And it was just, you know, really random. And he act, and he was able to get like three of those. And then every time he triggered a spell, he got three points. And 
it really added up really fast and he landslided us. But if I, if we wouldn't have play tested so much, we may not have been able to find that loophole because it had never happened before. And by that time we had probably already played a hundred games, you know, and we're, and that happens. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I can't let that, that just, that feels, that feels too unfair. You know, it feels like if anybody else playing would have just been like, I hate this game, you know? So uh, we really wanted to, I, I really encourage you to just play test a bunch. I mean, this is obviously with any game that you're going to do, but with that drafting, force cards into a hand that you're like, this would be almost unfair if they get these and just, just draft them that way. Draft what you think would be unfair to make sure that it is balanced to some degree that, 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 that character isn't going to steamroll everybody and make it unenjoyable for other people. Yeah, that's a really good point. The last thing you want is to have some mega combo that basically, if you get this, you win period, no matter what. And so then players like always trying to get it. And maybe that turns into, Party, you know, just crazy combos in the game you want to make. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something to be on the uh, lookout for. Well, Jesse, I know you, you're working on a crowdfunding campaign for Jack. So tell people maybe a little more about the game, where they can find out more information, any of that. Yeah. So like I said, uh, I would say that it's Seven Wonders meets Diablo. You're building a fantasy character. There's helmets, chest, offhand uh, weapons and belts. And you're also casting spells in the game. Uh, you are gearing up this character to fight big monsters uh, I love taking down big monsters, so that's kind of what you what you what the goal of the game is. You also have your personal adventures of things you need to collect throughout the play. You'll draft eighteen cards throughout the game, uh, and then at the end of the game, you'll total up your points. We've got a little score sheet. You'll total up your points on. Uh, I'd say that the game is just uh, it's it's well rounded, uh, and it is a good entry level game. But even experienced gamers will be able to have a great time when they play. Uh, we are on Kickstarter. We're hoping to launch June 8th. We're trying to get those following numbers up a little bit more. You know, we're floating uh, upper 200s, mid 200s, upper 200s right now. Uh, but we've got a lot of people uh, working on it. You know, uh, Dice Tower, Stella, uh, they're, they're doing a video for it. we got some other people doing a video. Rado's doing a video for us. So we're, we're really excited that we were able to have that in our budget uh, to to get those guys to do those things. Um, so we are excited with all that market stuff going to release at the same time. So June 8th, we'll be at origins, uh, at that time. So if you're, if you're going to be at origins, if you're listening to this, you're going to be at origins, come by, check us out, play the game. Uh, we'll have a promo card that only can be attained at origins, um, at least for the time being. So that'd be really cool. Also. Awesome. And that's Jack J a Q. Yep. And so I'm assuming if people search for that, they'll uh, find the, the Kickstarter landing page yep yeah yep yep absolutely and then uh triceratops games dot com if they want to check out our website we all the landing stuff is there they could do an email thing there also too so that would be that'd be great if you stop by and check us out very cool well jesse really appreciate your time really appreciate you joining me here on the show good luck with the kickstarter coming up and uh good luck everything else you got going on right now thank you i really appreciate it thanks for listening Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?